Let's Cover That podcast is brought to you by CMNF Group, professional liability services for over 200 healthcare professions. Visit our website at cmfgroup.com slash podcast for more info. Hey, everybody. Another episode of Let's Cover That with Will Sullivan and my co-host. Antonina Agruza. And today we have with us Ned Rand, President and CEO of ProAssurance. Ned, thanks for joining us today. Antonina, thank you so much, Will. Thanks as well. I'm excited to be with you guys. We're excited to have you. So, Ned, tell us a little bit about your background in insurance and healthcare and what led you to ProAssurance. Yeah, great. Uh, so, I've been with ProAssurance about 18 years. I, I joined as the chief financial officer uh, after a career in the insurance industry. So, healthcare is not my background. Insurance and finance uh, are where I got my start. I started out in public accounting. Didn't last very long there, maybe about four years. Um, went to work for a client back in the days where accountants could go to work for their clients. Uh, did that for a number of years, bounced around between uh, a number of insurance and reinsurance companies, and then landed here in Birmingham uh, about 18 years ago as the chief financial officer. Awesome. So so why don't you give us a, a quick overview, Ned, of, you know, kind of, so you transition into ProSurance, like who is ProSurance, yeah. you know, where, where's kind of your your focus in the healthcare market at this point. Yeah, absolutely. So we, we come at healthcare from a couple of different angles. So we are a specialty property casualty insurance company. Our largest line of business is healthcare professional liability or, or what some people call med mal insurance. But we also are a large writer of workers' compensation insurance, which is another angle on healthcare. When you, when you think about what makes up a workers' compensation claim, healthcare is a big component of that. Uh, we also have a life science company that focuses on clinical trials and uh, products liability insurance for implantable devices and other medical devices, and then a small book of lawyers professional liability business. But our, our biggest business by, by far is healthcare professional liability. And, and within that, we really take on the full spectrum of healthcare, everything from a, a nurse practitioner or other allied healthcare professional to a solo practitioner to a small group of physicians, to a very large group of physicians, and then hospital systems, facilities, surgery centers, um, and, and basically anything in that healthcare space uh, where, there's where there's liability, uh, we're there. And Ed, what are some of the stressors today in the healthcare system that ProAssurance uh, becomes a support to? Yeah, it's a great question. And, and I think there are, there are, there are a bunch. Um, you know, COVID is, is top of mind still for everybody. And, and really, I think while the impact of COVID has been significant, um, it's not been the biggest impact uh, for providers in the space. And when I think about what's going on right now, there's, there's probably four big drivers of, I would say, anxiety if you're a healthcare professional. One is just the consolidation of, of healthcare providers, and that's been going on for a number of years. I think it really started to accelerate um, after the Affordable Care Act, and, and that acceleration continued and then maybe got a, a second wave through COVID. But you know, the idea of being a solo practitioner in healthcare is, is something that, that I think most people don't aspire to today. Uh, we had a board member a number of years ago who worked for a healthcare system, one of the largest trainers of healthcare professionals in the United States. And he was in front of a very large group of residents and asked that group, how many of you want to go into private practice? And, and not a single person raised their hand. So I think this shift to more corporate practice of medicine, more hospital ownership of healthcare providers is, is somewhat permanent. 
and and really has changed the way in a lot of ways that healthcare is being delivered. When you when you kind of layer onto that the shortages we have in healthcare providers, especially in primary care providers and nurse practitioners, um, that adds another level of stress. And we, we certainly saw that through the COVID pandemic where where hospital systems and others just did not have enough caregivers to, to handle the influx of patients that was being experienced. And that's caused a number of different things, but probably importantly, a, a push down in the provision of services to, to lower level providers. So nurse practitioners doing more, allied healthcare professionals doing more. Um, in a number of states, you're now seeing where, where um, pharmacists can begin prescribing drugs, right? So you, you are, you're seeing this broadening of the care at, at, at lower levels. And there are a lot of benefits to that. I think there are a lot of challenges uh, to that as well. And one of the issues both of those items create, I think, is a lack of continuity of care for individuals. So we seek our care today through the doc in the box, uh, through the minute clinic. And a lot of us don't have a primary health care provider that kind of superintends and monitors our health care. And so it becomes more scattershot. And when it becomes more scattershot, I think it becomes more challenging. Um, and certainly, uh, as, as we think about the risk that, that gets created for a medical professional, if you don't have that entire history of your patient, it, it enhances the risk. I think one of the lasting impacts that we'll see from COVID is the delay in seeking care that, that happened during the pandemic. Um, so what we are seeing is when people are getting to the doctor, they're sicker than they might otherwise have been, especially around things like cancer, where someone didn't go in for a cancer screening, They've, they've now uh, shown up at the doctor's office and, and they have cancer and it's much more advanced than it otherwise would have been. And I think we're going to see another wave of, of serious illness that's not COVID related, but impacted by COVID because of that delay of care. So I think that's going to become a stress. We're beginning to see that. I think that's going to become a stress uh, on the system. Societal anger is an issue for the system. And um, when COVID first came about, you know, around your local hospital, you probably saw a sign that said, not all heroes wear capes or heroes work here in front of your local hospital. And I think that had a very positive effect on the standing of physicians in our community, but it didn't last very long. And it kind of got swept away by this anger around masks, around vaccines, and just broader societal anger that unfortunately works its way into um, into the workplace and into the physician's office and really not going to spend a lot of time talking about our workers compensation business but one of the things we have seen is an increase in workplace violence and that violence does occur in hospital settings in doctor's offices settings and, and so that's an issue and a, and a big stress and then i think one that's that's more more recent and and amplified by the the recent dobbs decision is kind of the, the criminalization of the actions of physicians and nurses. Uh, there was a nurse uh, who was found criminally liable in a, in a, a medical error, a medicine dosing issue uh, in Tennessee earlier this year. And when you look at the impact that Dobbs has on providers and uh, in, in any state that has an abortion ban or, or significant restrictions on abortion, it's really not a medical professional liability issue. It's a criminal liability issue. And, and I think, again, that heightens um, the stresses on, on healthcare providers. So our healthcare providers are working in a very stressed and strained environment. I think surrounding all that from a medical professional liability standpoint is this idea of societal inflation. 
or social inflation that we're seeing. Um, I saw an email this morning. Uh, we kind of have an email that goes around anytime there's a large verdict uh, in, a, in a med mal case anywhere in the U.S. And there was a $75 million uh, verdict on a Georgia case. I'm glad to say it wasn't a pro-assurance claim. Um, but that's the third very large verdict in Georgia um, in the last several months. There was a $30 million verdict, a $77 million verdict, and a $75 million verdict in a state that we hadn't seen large verdicts in. I mean, I think we're used to seeing large verdicts in Cook County, Illinois, and, and some other locations. But uh, these very large verdicts are happening more broadly across um, any state and every state. And that's concerning for our industry, obviously. And I think driven by that anger we talked about, I think driven by the fact that um, jurors don't have that relationship with a healthcare provider that they historically had. And so when that physician is up on the stand, there's less empathy for that individual and, and what they may do because there's no similar relationship on the part of a juror. And then it's harder to defend bricks and mortar. Um, that impersonalization of medicine that's happening because of this consolidation, I think, drives some of those jury awards as well. So I think those are a, a number of the stresses that are impacting providers today. I think, it, yeah, that's those are really, that's a wonderful overview, Ned, and, and the, the impact and also the dynamic of including, you know, what you're seeing in the insurance realm, especially with that workers' comp uh, insight there too, because I, I think any office you look into, you talk to their HR, you're finding a lot of employees in any segment of business, finding that employees are coming in and blaming in essence their work on their stress load, where in essence, yeah. they're not looking for the employee assistance that they need and kind of taking care of that aspect. But there is through COVID, this kind of segmentation of everybody in all different facets. And you're seeing this kind of pinch of you know, community with the healthcare providers, but also access and yeah. kind of to, to your, you know, one of the thoughts that you have that we, we know on, on our end talking to is allied healthcare professionals, you know, your nurse practitioners, physician assistants, um, you know, nurses in the allied class expanding out that access to care historically from a rural fashion. But now we're in this essence in the country. So, so I'd be interested to hear, you know, how, how do you start to scale out and kind of alleviate that pinch that you're seeing, like the cancer treatment, for example, yeah. is there a way to scale out access in other areas like type two diabetes? I would imagine have to yeah. be like increasing, like that's just a more common issue you're going to see, uh, especially if people kind of lock down over a couple of years, younger ages. Yeah. Um, is there a way to kind of scale out access and kind of alleviate that push? Because even the certain professionals we have like doctors, there's not as many independent. Yeah. So how do you yeah, get them out that, there? Yeah, well, it's a great, it's a good question. And I think, you know, one of the, I guess, benefits that came out of COVID was, was the explosion in telemedicine. Um, and, and that kind of significant increase in, in telemedicine was part because it had to be that way. It was the only way we could deliver medicine, but also because um, some Medicaid, Medicare, excuse me, and insurance providers began paying for those visits in a similar way that they would pay for um, a, a physical in-person visit. And, and that really expanded the use of telemedicine. And I think that's one way that it does get addressed. Now, telemedicine by, by no means is perfect. It works a lot better, I think, where there's already an existing relationship between a provider and a patient. Again, you get back to what I said about that, that lack of continuity of care. Telemedicine kind of um, amplifies that. You call a telemedicine provider, and you talk to one provider day one, you call back and you get somebody different the next day. 
so it, it certainly it's not perfect, but it absolutely has that ability to expand care. And I do think, you know, encouraging people into the profession is important and hard, especially nursing. I mean, nurses are under so much stress. Uh, and then we have things, and we've not touched on this, around like travel nursing um, that alleviates, it fixes a problem, but I think creates a problem um, because it has driven up the cost of, of care dramatically. Uh, and and it, it's, it's ironic, if I travel out of the Birmingham airport on a, on a Monday morning, I will, I will see those nurses traveling out of Birmingham going somewhere else. If I happen to return on a Monday afternoon, there'll be nurses flying in. Right, so you got nurses going both directions. It's not an efficient system. It's become a very expensive system, and it actually, I think, has created a lot of animosity between those travel nurses and, and the resident nurses that you have within um, hospital systems, in particular. Um, but it is a way, especially in rural communities, I think, to 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 get care into those areas. Um, but I think it's probably been a little bit overdone. Um, but it, it it is one. The other piece will be technology. You know, you can do so much with your phone and, and the ability to gather data via your phone or a device that's connected to your phone. You know, I think we're on the on, on the, the beginning edge of that from a delivery of care. We'll only begin to see that um, continue to increase. It opens up all sorts of interesting questions from a liability standpoint. If you're using a piece of software with an attached device on your phone in consultation with some sort of healthcare provider, where's the risk land? If something goes wrong, so a lot of a lot of liability issues that get opened up around that, but it, it is another way that will expand access. Yeah, incredible, and thank you for that overview. You know, it's it goes without saying that the healthcare industry has changed immensely over just the last two years alone, and who knows where we're going. But um, on that note, is there? Do you really see like a next step in the healthcare industry, or how ProAssurance um, plans to? kind of support the system before we wrap up the episode? Yeah, so you know, I don't have a good crystal ball. I, I hear a lot of different people talk about where care is going. Um, you know, um, this this drive from, from more treating sickness to influencing and, and monitoring and creating health is, is a way to cut down on costs. I think from, from a pro-assurance perspective, what we try to do is just monitor what is going on and make sure that we are well positioned to be responsive to those needs that arise. I, I kind of I mentioned the how do you where's the liability exist with that device? And you know for us, the fact that we have a life science company, that we have a healthcare a broad spectrum of healthcare liability products, we feel like we can really pivot and respond to those needs. And and that's really what what we strive to do. When we think about our mission, our mission's pretty simple. It's protect others. And we just want to make sure we have all the tools in the toolkit to be responsive as that evolution in healthcare occurs. But um, I don't have a really good crystal ball, unfortunately, about exactly where it's going to go. Yeah, I think, it, but I think that I think that definitely answers the question. That is that there's a need for continuity of care and access to it, which yeah. by virtue of that larger responsibility on those providing it. So if you have an organization that's able to scale out in a telehealth perspective but they're also able to get people in home and kind of create that network and also have a device for data analytics that support this and decision-making. It's like, that's good continuity of care. Maybe that's you can right. drop, you know, drop different issues, improve the value of the care. But as you increase more value, you're going to find new areas. Like you said, with Georgia, where 
you know, maybe that verdict's going to be much larger because now you're taking a look at a whole host of other companies coming together with resources. So it's, yeah. I think there is something to that. So thank you so much for hopping on with us, Ned. Absolutely. Happy to do it. Thank you. And that's another episode of Let's Cover That. Thank you.